But I enjoyed my message. Oh, glory to God, man. I said to you, Helena, do you know how wonderful it is to be in the stability of the person of God? And not in the instability of my correct confession, in the instability of the motive of my heart when I've sown seed, in the instability of naming the seed, watering the seed, rebuking the devourer. We are in the stability of the very person of God. You know? The very stability of the person of God. God, who He is, provides for us. You know, when I say this, many here, you don't have to give. Have I ever said you don't have to give? Never. All I've said is you don't have to give to get. I said God gave so that you can get. And God gives birth to a generous person. And from there we receive. I can, I can testify, even those of you that watch me for the first time on the web, I've received a house free from sowing. I did not sow for a house. I got a house of 1.35 million, not giving a cent. We rent the place next to us, you know, and this is what Paul says, foolishness. That's what I'm busy with now. It's foolishness, boasting in the flesh. Okay? But sometimes Paul says, I've got to become childish and foolish to speak to people because they're not mature. But let me then be immature and tell you what I received. Because I don't, I want to say this, don't believe it even because I've received it. Even if I haven't received it, it's still the truth. I tell you now before God, God's my witness. I've never sown for it. You know how I got it? I just asked my father. That was enough. <laughs> or is that too difficult? You just ask God. And then after I asked God, what, what happened? I forgot about it. Because where I lived was also okay. I lived in a house where the guy didn't want me to live. He wanted to kick me out all the time. It's the truth. It is the truth. The outside people thought this guy's just good to me, but I knew what was going on inside between me and him. We, we didn't see eye to eye, you know? And I, 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 it was just a miracle that I lived there. And even when I lived there, I was happy. I lived, I mean, ons het klomp geel slange gehad, wat al die honde doodgepikket, en ons het, but it was a nice house, on a nice property outside of town, and I thank God that I could live there. But I lived there, and even when we had to move down here, I said to Helena, you know, why don't we rent the house out for another year, and still continue to stay there? So I wasn't in the situation of, if people looked on the outside, they say, you mad man, you must move, you can't live in the situation. But inside my heart, I can't help it, God gave me contentment. What can I do if I'm happy where I stay? I'm not happy there. I found it very difficult to convince other people to be content with what I'm content with. People cannot be content with the fact that I'm content with what I'm content with. Is that complicated? But that is the way it is. But Bertie, you know, you are a Christian. You deserve a new car. Says who? Listen, man. A car can never define me. If you give me a Bentley, you know, it's, it's like the sphere factor. You know, they eat the cockroaches. You know? 
Then you say, no, no, because I'm a Christian, I'm eating the small cockroach. <laughs> Brother, you're still eating a cockroach. A cockroach cannot define you. Now, because I'm a Christian, I live in a big house. Because I'm a Christian, I'm having a new car. Wake up, a car can never define you, man. No house can define you. This planet cannot even define you. For this planet to define you, it has to be recreated in the return of Christ. To be of your kind. <laughs> My goodness, man. We, Paul was in jail, writing letters, liberating the people on the outside. Paul didn't say there, well, you know, because I'm a Christian, I must have a bigger cell than the person next to me. <laughs> you know, this freedom is scary because it takes away your surety. Will I have a big house? Am I going to have a new car? What about get to the place where you discover the very being and person of God Amen, and rest? You'll have, he promised, you'll have but don't worry about it. But if I don't worry about it, will God worry about it? He says, He's your Father that knows you've got need of these things the Gentiles seek after. The, the, what the world seeks, God calls my need. And His command to me is, don't worry about it. It's my business. You know what will really irritate the life out of me? If my kids worry about what they're going to eat next. I don't want them to worry about, I don't know what I'm going to wear next week. I don't know if he's, I find him stressed out in his room. What's wrong? Now, I don't know if, if, my, if, if my shoes are finished, if I'm going to get new ones. It's my club, man. Understand? What are you busy with? I am your father, man. That's how God cares for us. Hallelujah. And we're not going to take the financial provision and put it on the platform of Satan. Slavery. We're in a family with a father that's not poor, with a father that loves us, and that can even supply the emotion you need for every situation. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Um, let's just touch on one verse. I'm going to end off. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to uh, Ephesians. Or no, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. I want to talk about, and sorry for those that are watching by the web, uh, that just wanted to listen to, um, you know, what's the difference between born again, the new man, and, um, you you know, those kind of things. We're going to touch on it and we'll finish it next week. Um, I want to just start off with, with this. There's a difference between being born, uh, 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 born again, or let me put it this way, there's a difference between being born of God and the new man God created in Christ. Now the Bible says, um, you know, everything became new. The old things passed away. That does not talk about Christians. Now that's a shocker. And now I know people are going to on the website, I'm an inclusionist. I don't believe all people are saved. But I want to tell you, that verse that says, The old things have passed away, behold, all things become new, does not talk about Christians. We always thought, you know, I got saved, and after I got saved, the old things have passed away, talking about my drinking, smoking, swearing, and all those kind of things, and everything has become new. That's not what it talks about. I'm going to show it to you in the Scripture now. 
Um, and the reason why I, I do this is so that people can understand what it is to really be born of God, born again. You know, have a new birth. Because there was a birth in Christ where God gave birth to the whole world. And then there's a birth that takes place in you by believing in Jesus. And what happens is with, with the doctrine of ultimate salvation, which says ultimately everybody will be saved, mixes these two things and confusion comes to man. Because there are scriptures that say, when we were yet sinners, God reconciled the world unto God. Then that verse is taken and says everybody is saved. There's scriptures that says when Jesus raised from the dead, we were raised with him. Talking about people that don't even believe. And so you see, we are seated with, with Christ in the heavenly place. That means everybody is saved. So how do we bring these two things together? Because there are ample, many, much more scriptures that says life is in Jesus. He that does not have Jesus does not have life. He that does have Jesus does have life. The scriptures that says, 1 John 5 verse 1, very clear, he that does not believe is not born of God. So the, how do we bring these things together just to get clarity? Now we're going to first look at, next week we're going to look at what it means to be born again with a faith into it, but now we're going to look at what Christ has done. First, 2 Corinthians 5 and Ephesians 2. 2 Corinthians 5. Let's read from verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ constrains us, because we've got this judgment, or this mindset, that if one died for all, then were all dead. Now, the context, I can't read the whole thing, there's not enough time. The context is Jew and Gentile. Jews here, Gentiles here. Now it says, if one died, then all died. Meaning, Jew and Gentile died. There's no more Jew, there's no more Gentile, for they were all represented in Christ and all has died. Amen. Right. For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead. And that he died for all, that they, must, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now... Henceforth know we him no more like that. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Now let's <laughs> let me explain. He says, If one died, all died. Therefore we know no man after the flesh. What does a Jew understand when he says you know no man after the flesh? He says we don't look at people if they've been circumcised or not. We don't look at them after the flesh. We don't judge them according to their flesh. We don't say, okay, you are the people of God and you are not the people of God. Because the Jews were called the people of God. The Gentiles, Ephesians, we're going to read that, was lost without God in the world without any hope. So the Jews said, we the people of God, you are the dogs. You are lost without God. Then God said, in Corinthians, that when Christ came, 
all people were taken into Christ and Jesus died. And when one died, then all died in Christ. Okay? So that now, after Christ, we cannot relate to any man according to the flesh anymore. We cannot say Jew, Gentile, this, this, this anymore. Why? Because all has died. Then he says, in verse 7, Okay, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. That word if there is not if you believe and are in Christ. It's, a, it's like me saying, um, you know, talking about politics. And I would say, you know, if, if the ANC would come and get the majority vote, you know, then we will have a black government. Has it happened? Yes, it's already happened. But we are talking about what happens when that takes place. And this is what he says here. He says, if somebody is in Christ, actually it is a conclusion which says that when Jesus died, all were put in him. And if you are in his death, what does it mean? It means you are now a new creature. You're not Jew or Gentile anymore. And that happened to the whole world. Amen. So everybody was in Christ when God reconciled the whole world unto himself. Meaning that we cannot go outside and say Jew or Gentile or relate to anybody according to the flesh. Another way of relating to somebody according to the flesh is to say, if you do all these good things, then God will bless you. That's also a relation to flesh. Flesh means law. We don't relate to anybody according to the law anymore. Because the law said there's Jews which are the people of God and the law says there are Gentiles which are not the people of God. We don't relate to people on that basis anymore because a better word for the word if there would be the word since. Since everybody is represented in Christ, we are new creatures, the old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. What has passed away? The law has passed away. What has become new? All things. We don't look at ourselves on the basis of law anymore. The Gentile does not have the right to say, I am not, I'm a dog. He cannot say it. He can say, I've been redeemed. God has paid for me. Hallelujah. Right, we read on. It says, And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. To do what? To witness that God was in Christ reconciling the Christians unto himself. No, no, no. It says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. How? By not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So I want to tell you, This is what Jesus Christ did. A new man was born in Christ. When Christ, for us to be saved, the first birth had to take place. What was that birth? It was the death of of the, the, the difference between Jew and Gentile. Those two men had to become one man. And Jesus had to die away that old man. Amen. It literally means we had to be slain from this foundation of worldliness. Okay, I don't, that will be very technical. But th- that is what had to happen. 
Jesus came and died for the sin of the Jew and Gentile, made one new man. So that when we look outside, we don't look, about, look at people in a fleshly way, but we look at them in a way where we see their sins has been paid for. When they confess their sins, the blood of Jesus washes their minds, not the mind of God. God knows your sin has been paid for. But when you confess your sin, then the blood of Jesus washes whose mind? Your mind. Because you still believed you had sin. But when we taught, we were teaching you about the blood of Jesus, the message of His blood, where you were always guilty, oh I'm guilty, I'm guilty, now it tells you you're not guilty. You are innocent. Your sins was paid for. 2,000 years ago. You became a new kind of a man. An innocent person. Which, and this is the next Sunday's message, which is, which has access to eternal life by faith. In Jesus Christ. Amen. That changed my life on how I deal with people. I look at people in the world, you know, and uh, that's never accepted Jesus. In Zambia, I don't go there and think, excuse this words, but think, you unsaved bastard. You know, you better get the gospel. You're going to go to hell. You know, you are actually seeing people actually as the enemy of God. No, no, people are not the enemy of God. The sinner is not the enemy of God. The sinner is under the power of the enemy. The sinner is loved by God. You know, December I want to go to Zambia. You know, when I think of Zambia, I think of the people living in the bush there. People whose sins has been paid for, people who has been reconciled to God, where God says, I don't impute any trespass against you, taking their animals, killing their animals, going naked into cold rivers at night, to sacrifice something for God, so they can be innocent before God. There's something inside me that says that's wrong. And we need to preach to them and share the truth in them because their minds are flooded with guilt and they want to get rid of their guilt. But if we can tell them what Jesus Christ has done, the truth of their innocence will wash their guilty mind. Because they're innocent. But they don't know it. Glory to God for the gospel, man. I tell you, if it's only God and I who believe this, God's happy. God's not threatened with how many people believe His gospel. He knows what's true. You know, if you agree with God, you're the majority. That's the way it is. You and God, you're in the majority. God says, I gave my lamb. My lamb takes away the sin of the world. When did it take away the sin of the world? 2,000 years ago. So that we can go with a message of reconciliation. That God has, you go to a sinner, you tell the sinner, sinner, I want to tell you something. God has reconciled you unto himself by not imputing any one of your trespasses which you think he imputes against you, against you. But I've never confessed my sins. Before you could even talk, God has done it. If you can confess your sin, what sin? The sin of not believing in this truth. 
you will find that who He is and what He's done cleanses your mind from the emotion of, I'm not righteous. For He made you qualified in Christ. The word righteousness means to weigh up. I've said it so many times, but maybe people watching for the first time now. Righteous means, if I go to the cafe and I buy sugar in 1950, they've got a scale. You say, I want one kilogram of sugar. They put one kilogram weight on this side, then they throw sugar until it balances. And the moment it balances, the sugar is righteous of one kilogram. In the same way, man was on the earth and God was in the other side of the scale. And man was not up to the level of God. Then God incarnated Himself into a man. And the man Christ Jesus, which is God, weighed up to God the Father in heaven and He balanced the scale between the human race and God. So that we today can go with the message of our salvation and preach it to people that are lost. Cursed be the doctrine that says people don't have to believe to be saved. Because Jesus clearly, the Bible clearly says in John chapter 1 verse 4, uh, John chapter 4, the last uh, uh, verse there, it says, to those that believe, they have this life manifesting in them. Those that don't believe, the wrath of God remains on them. So what does it mean? What was the wrath of God in Adam? If, if you eat of this tree, you'll die. Those that believe death abides on them. So let's preach the message of innocence. But what Satan wants to do is he wants to make it so difficult for people to be saved. You first leave your drink, you leave your smoke, you leave all your nonsense. Then God will love you. Then people don't come to God. They don't come to God. I feel so comfortable to preach this message to atheists, to preach this message message to Muslims, to preach this message to God-haters. Because they've just been deceived. But when you share this truth with them, there's a resonance that hits in their heart. And they cannot say no. You might say, Bert, you've come up with a very good idea of God. If it could just have been true, it would have been wonderful. It is the truth. This is the truth. There's only one word about your life. Jesus. You want to know what God says about your righteousness? Jesus is the word of God on your righteousness. You want to know what God says about if He likes you or not? Jesus is God's word if He likes you or not about your life. Thank you, Lord. I want to tell you this. If you come here, this is all I'll preach. This message. I'm not going to change from this. By the grace of God. You know, I don't care how many people love me or don't love me. I don't care if I hear churches come together to to try and uh, discuss what a false doctrine I preach. Let them do whatever they need to do. You know, but I'm not changing from this. I, this saved me. I first repented of my sins, you know. Accepted Jesus. Didn't know what it was. Repented from my sins. And then, when I heard this gospel, I got born from God. I got born from God. And the life that is inside me, I find it's not I who live anymore. But I find someone else living in this body. And I enjoy it. 
I enjoy it. And I'm not going back. Amen. Glory to God. We stay in the message of His unconditional love, mercy and grace. Father, I want to thank You. I want to thank You that You gave birth to a new kind of man in Jesus. The kind that is justified by faith. You've killed the kind that is justified by works. You were a man born under the law, Jesus. And you died, and in one action you killed the man forevermore. That's justified by works. And you gave birth to a man who's justified by faith. Therefore, we can preach this reconciliation. Thank you that you've empowered us and you continue to empower us by your grace to preach this gospel unashamedly. We are not ashamed of your good news. For this good news is your power unto saving people from the lies they live in. You love us. Thank you for the comfort, the warm, tangible comfort of a loving Father who values us. Father, as we go home, we sit with this in our mind. You did not give birth to mankind to have slaves. In the same way as that we didn't have, don't have children to have people to clean the house. My God, you wanted somebody in your likeness to share your very being with, to share the depths of who you are with. Thank you, Lord, that we have got this hope of immortality, where we will be immortal in the return of Christ, forever living in a human body, immortal like Jesus, <laughs> forever experiencing this fullness, which cannot be explained in words. Lord, thank you that I can use words here, but there's a deeper communication, the communication of your Spirit, touching the emotions of people's hearts here and all over the world. I declare everybody here blessed. Everybody over the internet, I declare you blessed. Every person that's got sickness in your physical body, the resurrection power of Jesus, I speak it forth. I declare it in you and over you. You are healed. In Jesus' name, by the doing of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for everybody that came. Um, next week we will have worship again. And uh, I think we'll have Children's Church again. So um, thank you so much. Those of you that feel that you want to give, there is a box on the table. Please order the CDs, DVDs. People need to get this. Send it to some leaders. Amen. I don't want to make trouble, but people need to hear the gospel. Amen. God bless you.